he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Welcome to another episode of Volatified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. Today, we continue our series with SDSU, our masterclass series with our meetings and event management master's candidates. And we will talk to them about the curriculum, uh, how it's impacting their careers and uh, their lives, and sort of get a checkup on them. And today, we are joined by two of my fellow cohort in the MEM SDSU program, or I should say SDSU MEM program on the global campus. We could go on forever with just that. But uh, I'm going to hand it off to Alex. Who do we have? First of all, Hi, Alex. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> I did something totally different because it's a different series. So, hi, Alex. Hi. Apostolides. <laughs> Anthony Bellotto. She's still there. She's here. She's with us. How are you? I'm well. Okay. Well, I'm not yeah. sensing that really so much today. This is our <laughs> second call together. And I'm sensing a very quiet, reserved Alex. That means there's something going on in that noggin. Yeah, there's a couple things going on in that noggin of mine. And you know, it it's a small, it's a baby head. It fits baby gap hat. So, you know, one thing and it's already crowded. Right, it's busting, right? It must be hot up there. <laughs> yeah, well, in more you know, ways than one. Well, hey, you know, hey, it's, it's nice. You look great, actually. You look very nice. The Thank hair you. is up and uh, you look a little bit like a musical theaterish too, in a way like cut, like you could be, you could be in thoroughly modern Millie right now in the typewriter scene as the secretary, you know, like typing okay. away with those What's glasses. My audience? Tapping away as you're typing away, tapping and typing, typing and tapping. I could do that. Uh, so who do we have with us? Who is joining us from SDSU today? So joining us today, we have two uh, lovely young women with us. We have Tessa Getch, who is the Director of Corporate Events for Brown & Brown Insurance. She is a CMP. And she's been in the industry for over 11 years. Uh, and uh, a little birdie was actually Tessa told me that uh, we she uh, had an event planning internship way back in college. Um, and then our, our other guest today is Emily Parsons, and she is the assistant meeting planner for the National Association of Attorneys General. And uh, they do work in all 56 states and territory territories, AG offices, creating a bipartisan forum. So please let's welcome Tessa and Emily. Hi, Tessa. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. 
crazy, crazy, crazy introduction. I apologize for that, but it's just what we do here. It's our way of doing it. So thank you for the I big I love it. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, when we started this podcast a year ago and then I decided to become part of the cohort, I thought it would be fun to chronicle the program, but I didn't want it to be from just my perspective, because that's like very small. There's so many people in the program with so much experience and depth of knowledge to share wherever they are in their career and whatever they're doing. And we're the right, there's so many of us from different, different origins. So I'm delighted to have you as our first two. And thank you for jumping on the bandwagon. I think you get extra points because I asked everybody in a forum who would be first to jump in and Emily, and Tessa and Danny couldn't be with us today, but jumped on the bandwagon immediately. And uh, so thank you. So let me start off by asking you, uh, why did you decide to get your master's degree? Tessa, you already have, you already are a CMP, right? Mm -hmm. So you have that already on your plate. So why did you decide to do that? And then Emily, you as well, being a little bit fresher in the in the industry than I um well I, I'm still asking myself that <laughs> but it was a bucket list item that I had for quite some time actually um before I went into events I even took the LSAT I wanted to do something further along in my career than get my bachelor's degree my parents were academics and um, I landed up in events and I quickly determined I'm passionate about it. I love it. I love the industry. I love the people in the industry. Um, and I was at WEC WEC, um, which is um, a Meetings Professionals International um, event. And they were announcing the master's program. And immediately I was interested and I thought it ticked all the boxes, um, a chance to cross off my bucket list item and also, um, hone my skills in events because I'm self-taught for the most part and meet people in the industry that is, that are just as passionate as I am. Mm. Uh, have you, well, before I ask you that, Emily, what brought you to the um, program? So I think it's actually really awesome that you have Tessa and I together um, because I am almost the exact opposite. So I, um, my undergrad is from James Madison University in hospitality management. Um, and I did most of mine based around events. Um, so Coming out of college in 2019, being in the industry for nine months, and then the pandemic hitting, I realized I needed to find just about any skill or knowledge base that I could to make myself more knowledgeable coming out of the pandemic, um, mainly because I just wanted to set myself up for success in the long run. Um, and I looked at MBA programs for a while. Um, I thought that was the track I was going to go down. Um, but I kept finding myself somehow managing to come back to the SDSU website. And I kept looking. And um, 
everywhere was requiring the GRE and I have never been a really good test taker. And so I was like, well, they're not requiring it. And I was like, the stars have aligned. It is my, it is my time I'm going. And I applied the week before the cutoff um, in Emily fashion and <laughs> got in all of my stuff in time. And even my family was like, wow, we didn't even know you wanted to go to grad school. So this is a surprise. And um, I'm definitely a planner at heart. So I, of course, was like looking at my life plan and was like, where can I fit grad school in before I have kids one day or before life gets too busy? And so I was like, now's the time. And I'm glad I did it. I mean, granted, work as crazy as we return to in-person, but um, I wouldn't have had it at any other time. Hmm. So Tessa and Emily, have you, are you feeling that the program is meeting with your expectation of what you might find when you applied so far? I mean, we're only, I should say, we're only really three or so months in, right? And it, it feels longer, but really not that far. <laughs> I agree with you, Anthony. I feel like this has been already cr- quite the ride, and we're just mm-hmm. starting on the road. Right, we do. I was like, "What? Oh um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah." I'm like, "Is there is there a rest stop?" <laughs> no. um, but you know, I'll be candid. Even though I did a lot of. Um, uh, research on the program and, and really tried to understand it. I went in with limited expectations because I didn't want it to under deliver if I set my expectations too high. And I will say I've already put into you some of the things that I've been learning and which is fantastic. Um, and it's given me some real clarity on really who I am and how I am as a leader and what I need to improve on. And I didn't expect that at all. I thought it would be more book work, um, practical. Um, This is how you put meetings together more strategically. Um, So, so far I've been actually really pleasantly surprised. Mm. How about you, Em? I, I would agree. I'm, super, super pleased with how everything has turned out so far. It's a lot of work on top of working full-time and trying to have a social life. Um, But I'm so glad that it isn't as practical as you just mentioned, Tessa, where it's like, you know, how can you put together a meeting more strategically or how can you, here's ideas on how you can do different things. But I, I like that it's more analytical um, and it's definitely taught me a lot about myself. I, I mean, I felt like I w- went into this program confident, knowing who I was, knowing who I was as a leader. And after that first in-person week, I walked away and I was like, wow, I felt humbled um, hmm. because I was like, I just learned so much about myself that I did not know. Mm. Um, I was so glad that we did the 360 surveys 
and got true anonymous feedback. Um, I took everything to heart, of course, when I first read it, because I was like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a horrible, horrible employee. Even though everything was matching up, I was so hard on myself. Hmm. And come to find out that was just a personality trait. Right. Um, but I like sitting down with my mentor and my mentor coach, like really diving deep and realizing like, no, actually you're really great because you are self-aware of everything you do. Even if you're doing something wrong or you're sassy or, you know, you might come across sassy to someone, but you don't think you're sassy or the other way around. Um, it's been super helpful in how I communicate with my team now. Um, Cause I definitely, I bring the sass every day. Really? Tessa, you weren't, you were not able to join us live. Am I right in that? You weren't That's there correct. live. So unfortunately you kind of missed that. Emily shared a lot during that week and was very open and vulnerable and was applying the lessons immediately to her current situation. And I'm sort of surprised to hear you say how hard you have been on yourself because I felt that at the end of that week, you were supported by all of us. I mean, you you made us all fall in love with you, quite honestly. We were all like Emily champions by the end of that week. Oh my goodness. No, I, I've always been super hard on myself. Um, growing up, it was in sports and then it was in my undergrad. And I think I, I think I just became more self-aware during that week mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it is not me against the world. The world is not against me. People are there for me. And I think it was that week that I needed to realize that like in this industry, there's so many people that you can meet and so many, so many people that are there for you and not everybody is competing against you. Um, Cause I think that's where I, I think that's where I found going to networking events. I always felt like I was competing to talk to everybody competing to meet people. Hmm. And so leaving that week, I was like, I don't feel like I need to compete against anybody to meet people or put myself on a different playing field that I, I am who I am and people are going to want to talk to me if they want to talk to me. And um, mm -hmm. I actually bring a lot to the table mm -hmm. and I don't have to, to prove myself. I think that was one of my, one of my biggest walkaways. Um, from that week. Oh. I'm glad to hear it. Do you think, Tessa, there's a strategy in the leadership curriculum that we've been learning so far? Is there, a, is there an event strategy to be learned in that curriculum so far? Because most of it's been about leading and now we're getting into company building, right? Yes. But leading and emotional intelligence I found that I found I find that for me, I always viewed emotional intelligence as an obligation hmm. before I took this class. Like, and then I wasn't very good at it because it felt like an obligation instead of understanding that it could be a tool 
to motivate and incentivize and create environments. And so from a perspective of building a team for an event, don't you feel more aware of what it is you're looking for now that you're going through this leadership thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting when they were talking about emotional intelligence and vulnerability and putting yourself out there and how that creates a team feel. It brings people in and, and really I found that it builds trust. And it was really validating, actually, because I didn't realize I was doing that mm -hmm. with my teams already. Um, I think I might have mentioned this to you, Anthony, or on a call with, that you were on. But often with groups, when there's new people, I, I like to do a thing called highs and lows. Tell me a high. Tell me a low. And we would go around the table and it could be as benign as I had a great weekend and my low is, um, you know, they, they didn't have my favorite coffee on hand, or it could be something really personal, but it's an opportunity for me to do a temp check on everyone and just kind of see where people are at and celebrate the wins and understand if someone's not really with it what was their low? Maybe they're really going through something. And I found our team, when we did that, we were so much closer. Um, but I also, in the whole process, realized, kind of to Emily's point, I felt very humbled when I realized, ooh, I, I maybe have too much emotional intelligence in one area that it's holding me back as a leader. And so maybe I'm just not a strong leader. Doesn't mean I'm a bad employee or... I'm not good in a team, but there's certain things that I need to balance a little better. And that was very humbling. But it's also uh, encouraging, isn't it, in a way, and, and motivating and inspiring in a way when you could sort of pinpoint things that you can identify, oh, yeah, I could be better at that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You, how big is your team? Well, Tessa? to be honest, my team is me. And one other person that we newly have on board, which is an event coordinator, but I work with a, a few third-party um, vendors or partners, as I would like to call them. And I've worked with them for many years. So they feel like an extension of my sure. team, although they might not be within the company. Well, they're your team on site. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and in I, the planning. Right? Yes. And yes. I feel like, and, and I think sometimes planners, not all planners, but I think there are some planners that forget your partners are just as much a part of your team, even if you don't see them on a daily basis in the office and they're not on the same paycheck system as you are. They're in it to win it with you and they want you to shine. And if you want them to shine, it's just, it's awesome. And I feel like third-party partners bring in so much because they see so much that when I'm in my island, you can only see so far. But then when you bring people in and you get them around the table, it's like, what have you seen? What have you done? And it's, it's awesome. Have the people you're working with, as you implement these strategies and the things that you're learning, are, are you getting any feedback? Are they noticing any changes in how you approach the work? Emily. That's a good one. That's a, that's a really good one. So one of the 
highest rated items that was on our, our 360 was uh, positivity and optimism. And that was, I scored through the, through the roof on that one. But my team has noticed that it, I am optimistic about everything, um, but I bring it in at times when people are seeming the lowest. Um, or when like the, the team truly needs something instead of me just always being optimistic about everything, because I do realize that it can be a little toxic sometimes. Um, I have come to realize you, you truly just cannot be positive about everything all the time. Um, so just really realizing when I need to bring it in um, to lift team spirits, but um, just picking up on the small things, like even if, you know, I'm realizing somebody is IMing me and you know they're they're using more periods than they usually do or they just don't seem as upbeat like me stepping in and saying is is everything okay is there anything I can do to help you just being more aware um, is something that they've they've really realized more instead of me just pretending everything's okay and and everybody's happy go lucky so I um, I've noticed that and I'm I'm interested to see um, in my review in a couple weeks, what, what else has been noticed? Um, cause I, I wish that I could do a, a 360 survey once, once a year and find out, you know, what's changed and what's, uh, what else there is I can work on. That's interesting. That's awesome. I, I hadn't even thought about doing one of those every year. So Emily, you are an assistant, right? Meeting planner to, mm-hmm. I assume, based on what I know of you, of there is a, a, a meeting director or planning director and how big is your team? Yeah, so our, our team is a little different. So we have, or I have a um, director of meetings and member services and then um, under her is me. And then there's one other um, coordinator that is on my level, but we do different things. So she does all of our trainings that go to all the states, whereas I do all of our annual meetings. And then um, I don't directly oversee the coordinators that are below us, um, but on site, I do oversee them. Um, So I don't oversee their day-to-day workload, but on site, I do oversee them. So it's been nice since they've come on to be able to, to really try some of this leadership stuff that we're learning um, since it's is my first leadership role, um, so to speak, even though I don't oversee their workloads. But it's it's been really nice to be able to to try things out. And I gave feedback for the first time, um, and it was uncomfortable to say the least. But I got through it. I don't know how. Um, I've always been very nervous about giving people feedback. I'm always afraid they're, they're going to be angry at me, but um, I actually have a little bit of a different outlook after reading these books and um, going through the courses is that feedback is good. Um, feedback is there to help you and to help you grow. And so I think going in, giving feedback with that mindset helps me a little bit rather than me just being like, well, you're doing this wrong. This is what you need to do to fix it. And really just like having a conversation rather than it 
it being uncomfortable. How do you handle feedback? Um, oh, receiving it. Oh, oh yes. I'm sorry. Was this for Emily? Both of you. Oh, oh Tessa, you. you take it. You take but it. You're, first. But you're next, Emily. I want to hear it. <laughs> receiving feedback. Um, I like constructive feedback, even if it's negative, because I just I want to grow. Um, feedback that is just nitpicky. Not so much it, because it, it, it doesn't really serve a greater purpose mm -hmm. for me. It, it's kind of based on just little things that really don't move the needle. Right. Or things that are uncontrollable, right? Yeah. The decisions that you have to make sometimes the worst of the two, not always the best of the two, depending on how things lay out, right? Like when you're in a COVID situation. Absolutely. So you do the best you can. And yeah, that gets a little irritating. And for me, I would rather have a five minute uncomfortable conversation than keep going on for weeks or months or years doing something that's making someone upset or creating right. animosity or doing something mm -hmm. wrong. Well, both of you, uh, you, I perceive both of you to be very easy to get along with and you don't look, neither of you look for, or looks for, um, confrontation or comes across angry or difficult to have a conversation with. So, you know, I would imagine that when you're having difficulty with somebody, it's valid and it's not emanating from you. So Emily, how do you receive? I used to receive feedback so poorly. Uh -huh. um, I think it all stemmed from growing up in sports where feedback was always kind of yelled at you. Mm -hmm. um, so I... It was Every criticism. It wasn't into... feedback, right? I mean, it was criticism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you I suck. Took... <laughs> That's not feedback. Basically, or or you didn't. I used to play field hockey, so you didn't drive the ball hard enough. Go run laps. Go do sprints. Like it was always like it was horrible. So going into like my first job, I you know anytime I took any sort of criticism or feedback, I would immediately shut down. Like I would sit there and listen, but it doesn't mean that I was truly listening. I was not actively listening to whatever was being said um, until the pandemic hit. And that's when I was like, all right, well, I've got to have an attitude change because I, I can't be this employee that, you know, shuts down when they're getting feedback and then nothing changes and you keep going on doing the same thing and you know it you're never going to get a good good review for the end of the year you're never going to get a good recommendation so that was when the the shift happened and I was like you know what not all feedback is horrible um I've also read the book thanks for the feedback um that was also really helpful I enjoyed it I wish I had it sitting right here um I would probably quote it but it's a it's a great read highly suggest it um I think I even wrote it in one of the suggestions for SVSU I was like this is a really great book everybody should read it at some point even if you think you take feedback well um there's always uh, some room for improvement just like everything else 
And, and I ask that because I, I perceive there to be a direct correlation between how well you take it and how well you give it. Because if you don't take it very well, then it's hard, my perception, to give it to people because you know how hard it feels to take. Um, so I know that I have to sometimes, well, all the time, think about the higher good, right? And, and about how to express those things so they're not feeling personal, but they're really meant to elevate. Yeah, I know, I feel the same way. I was, had a hard time uh, dealing with feedback. That really felt more like criticism, you know? And I think we have to be careful about how we give it, right? So that it doesn't sound that way. Anthony, what change? Yes, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I just go, go, I go. wanted to ask you about um, how the the three six. Pardon me, since I'm not in the program, the the three sixty, the evaluation. How did that affect you? How did you? What were your thoughts and your feelings on oh, that? I when you thought it was great. It? I mean, I it was spot spot on for me. There was absolutely no way to argue what came up, and I didn't really feel like I needed to either because. It didn't make me feel defensive. It, gave, it made me feel informed about myself, especially since it was so right on. And um, I then you have participated in the 360. Alex actually participated, and so did our producer, D'Angelo, and so did um, Sam, who's in our office, as did a lot of my clients, I think like 16 or 17 people. So I was really, uh, yeah, I was really, I felt good about it because because it it showed where I needed to work, but it, it didn't show me to be a crappy human being. You know, like I thought, okay, like there's a hope here. Um, I, I can vouch that you're not a crappy human being. <laughs> so Anthony, it, you'll appreciate this. Uh -huh. I had a former, they called them subordinates in 360. And she moved to a different department. We, we just couldn't, find our rhythm together. And she sandbagged my 360. Ooh. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. She gave me really brutal, no. harsh feedback. It was, it was really, it, it really felt like a left hook. And I didn't realize she was so angry that it didn't work in our department, my department. And so during COVID, when we didn't have events, she went to another department to help assist. And I know who answered all of my 360s. And so right. it stood out because she was kind of, <clears throat> if you will, the misfit. Right. So yeah, it was, um, that really messed me up for a while. What did you, you sit there and, and you say, is that true? Even though you know it's not. <coughs> Excuse me. Was there anything to take from that as cruel and crushing as she obviously used it as a form to get to vent? <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounds like. But was there anything that you gained from that? Actually, um, yeah, you know, it made me look at her transition to another department as maybe she viewed it as being let go or fired from my department instead of me saying, it's not a fit. Why don't you go over here so you're not losing a job? And so 
I, it gave me some perspective of maybe where she was coming from, but it also helped me realize that I need to be a little more particular, a little more aware if there's tension and to address it immediately. And kind of the conversation that um, we had about hard conversations, or I should say the lesson we had about hard conversations, Mm -hmm. I should have had those hard conversations with her much sooner because I knew that there was tension. I couldn't figure out why. I I was starting to realize we weren't really a fit. Um, It might be hard to believe Anthony, but I I am, I call it aggressively enthusiastic about my work. (laughs) (laughs) I love that adjective. But we need to know exactly what that means now. (laughs) It means things just need to be done right. And I'm, um, you know, and and I have certain expectations and I'm very clear about those expectations. And I'm really passionate that sometimes it can come off as being a little overwhelming for people. And so I always say it's because I care too much. I'm aggressively enthusiastic. And um, sometimes it jives with people and sometimes it doesn't. But in her case, I said, I'm very busy. I won't micromanage. I'll tell you what my expectations are and you can run with it. And really it's on me at the end of the day, looking at that saying, you know, I just should have had those conversations sooner. So that, that was a takeaway. Good. Cause there's always something to take away, right? Always. What about your bosses or the people that you uh, report to? Do you see where they're deficient or they're really representative of what we're learning? And would you care to discuss any of that? We won't share names. You know, you could just talk in general terms. Why don't you start, Emily? Um, So, Yeah, so one of the biggest... I would, I would, I would say downfalls. I'm not going to say it's a horrible thing um, that happens frequently in my organization. And it's not just by one person, it's by a lot of people. Um, and I think that this is something that definitely happens frequently with member-based organizations um, is the leadership is overly democratic about things um, to the point of detriment in getting work done. Um, I know one of the biggest issues that I face daily is waiting on answers. Um, Waiting on answers for decisions that can be as small as just exactly how the room is set up um, or what should be served at the reception. Decisions that would typically mainly be housed in a meetings department Mm -hmm. and would never have any say from anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that is where I find a lot of frustration and it wasn't something that I necessarily recognized before the program because I, I mean, I, I clearly knew it was an issue, but I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know Mm -hmm. much about it. I didn't understand why it happened. Um, I just knew it did happen and that it was frustrating. And now, now seeing it now, I think it almost frustrates me a little bit more um, because I'm like, you could fix it. Um, 
Is it a democratic thing, follow-up question, or is it about people not wanting to make decisions for other people? So or being afraid of making decisions? I would even say it's a little bit of both. Um, we definitely see a lot of people who they just want everybody to weigh in. They want everybody to feel heard, everybody to have an opinion. On a taco um, show? Yeah. Oh, I, oh I, I have so many stories. I've had sugar cookie incidents. Debates. I've had, oh, it's... it's I the mean, sugar cookie debates, ladies and gentlemen, live. I mean, I, I wish that I could make some of this stuff up. Um, some days I think I need to write a book about all of the funny things that go on in the meeting planning industry that no other industry would really understand. Um, so that, there's that, but then there's, there's also just being afraid to make a decision because of the, the fear of offending somebody, um, especially working in a nonpartisan environment. Um, Everything has to be thought about from every single perspective. If the wind blew the wrong way at the wrong time on the wrong day. Like, so you, I mean, you have to think about it from, from so many sides. And I think that is where a lot of frustration builds because I'm, I, I am like, I don't understand how a seating arrangement is going to offend somebody. Um, we're all sitting here to learn and and just gain insight into the legal field of of state government. Um, so I I don't see how it how it would do work that way. But um, yeah, that is that is definitely definitely the the pitfalls of of working for for government organizations. Right. We, you know, we should really make that point that it's an association, right? The Association of Attorneys yeah. General, but it is a government organization in that your association is probably funded and sponsored by governmental agencies, I'm assuming. Um, kind of. So we're an instrument of the government. So uh, we are awarded attorney-client privilege um, when it comes to lawsuits. And all, like, so all of our emails are public if they, they came up in a lawsuit. Um, but the, we're based off of the states paying us yearly dues. Mm -hmm. um, but we also get money through multi-state litigation. Um, so mm -hmm. I think one of like our biggest funding sources was the tobacco settlement back in the nineties, mm. I think. Wow. Um, so we're, we're funded through that, um, which helps us stay into perpetuity. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting because I mean, we do have to go through so much red tape because mm -hmm. um, so, certain things are funded by certain grants and you can only do them, do certain things with that money. Um, it'll only fund like hotel rooms and then you have to find money for, for other things. So it's, right. um, it's getting creative on a budget, but also getting creative on a budget while having to wait for answers, wait for 
approvals, all of the above. Mm. How about you, Tess? You know, I, I, I feel really fortunate that my company has a lot of visionary leaders. And um, I think that's fantastic. We also have a, a, a leader who's a little democratic. Um, but for the most part, um, our company has an entrepreneurial spirit, which is why I think I gravitated to it, to the company. And I remember just saying, I'm going to carve my path here. And I was really fortunate to be able to do so. And um, my current leader was my mentor in the company. And he, um, I'm trying to remember all of types. We have our visionary leaders, our democratic leaders, our affiliative leaders. Coaching leaders. Co yes. Commanding Coaching. and Commanding. pace setting. Yes. Yeah, so I tend to be a pace setter by nature, but my mentor was a visionary and coach. And a lot of our leaders are visionary and coaches, but Every once in a while, we'll, I'll see a little commanding side kind of peek through with mm -hmm. some people. And that can be a little nerve wracking. Um, we have some leaders that might be a little absent at times, which can be hard when you're trying to get things done. But for the most part, I, I think we're so fortunate to have the leaders that we do in our company. So I reading the books that we did, I could just see people coming into my mind like, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. Uh -huh. And yes, I see this person and wow, that's the leader I want to be. And that's why I resonate so well with this person in the company. So Tessa, you work for an insurance company. Yes. So do you have many clients within your organization? Do you have, go no. ahead. It sounds, no. <laughs> you only, so you only have one client basically, and that's the company as a whole. Correct. So I um, organize all of the corporate events for our company. I'm sorry, that's my pug if you hear my pug. Um, <laughs> and we um, have annual events, quarterly events, but they're all corporate events. And then if someone within the company um, asks me to plan an event for their region or for a segment of the company, um, I'll do that as well if I have the bandwidth. And I consider every key stakeholder within the company for these events, my clients. And I even mm -hmm. consider the attendees my clients. Mm -hmm. they How are. am I going to please the attendee right. at the end of the day? They are. They're, they're our clients as well, right? Yes. As long as they don't get all ornery on us. No. <laughs> um, so how, how big is Brown & Brown? How many, how many employees? Or, we, or have, how mm -hmm, we have about 11,000 teammates. Um, we're the sixth largest um, insurance brokerage in the world mm. and we are still growing and we have offices um, throughout the nation. We are headquartered in Daytona Beach um, and we also have offices in Ireland and London and I believe somewhere in the Caribbean um, and I think we also have one now in Canada. So mm. we're, at, we're a little bit ev um, everywhere. So yours is an international meeting then when, when you have it, I assume, or you have international delegates at your, your corporate events? 
We do. It's limited, but mm-hmm. all of our but events still. are. Yeah, mm-hmm. there. I still have to take that into consideration you with do. certain things. Yes, um, and and be empathetic to those that are coming in. Right. Um, even if we're hosting a meeting in Florida, we have people coming in from Hawaii, and you think about that time change and the travel, mm-hmm. and so I'm always reaching out to them personally, saying, you know, I know you have some stuff going on coming from Hawaii. Do you need an extra night at a hotel? But um, all of our hosts are, or I'm sorry, all of our meetings are hosted here in the United States. That makes it a bit easier. Yeah. Just a tad. <laughs> so, um, Emily. Yes. <laughs> how are you liking where we are now in the program? So we, we've been through the leadership course and the first eight weeks, I believe it was, was reading uh, texts and writing reports on what we took away. Now we're in, uh, now we're building a structure, basically. That's the course we're in. It's leadership and we're learning about people and about business structures. And so how how are you feeling about where we are now and, and the lessons that we're learning? I, I think I'm probably one of the few that actually can say that I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed writing the papers and reflecting. Um, I found that's when I, I guess, started to really comprehend the books. Not that I didn't comprehend while I was reading, but was able to really take a step back and see how I could implement the books and the practices into my life. Um, The course we're in now, I wish it was longer only because I feel like it is so uh, compact. Um, I feel like I am just seeing a surface level of a lot of the topics um, where I would like to dive a little bit deeper. Um, Specifically, uh, the week that we touched on um, DEI, I don't feel like I really dove deep enough especially because it's such a hot topic mm-hmm. and I don't feel like there's a ton of education yet, um, hopefully to come with MPI um, so that I can become a little bit more informed and create opportunities and education opportunities for my attendees um, based around DEI. So that was that was one. And then I'm really looking forward to the finance mm-hmm. course. I know that that is probably an unpopular opinion. Um, I actually failed finance three times in college. Um, so I'm looking, yeah, I know Tessa, I know three times. It was a tough one. <laughs> um, I just, I couldn't get it. So I am actually turning my brain around and I'm looking forward to it um, instead of dreading it because I think that I could actually be really good at finance if I had the right opportunities at the right time. Um, The finance class that I took in undergrad was more based around stocks and how to take your company public and all of the things that I probably will never do in my life. Um, So I'm hoping that this will be a little bit more practical um, 
and a little bit more applicable to my life mm-hmm. and what I would like to do. So um interested to see where this goes. Mm. How about you, Tessa? You know, right now I feel like really the pedal has hit the metal. Like we, it, it was like, okay, go. And mm-hmm. <laughs> what? And I think they really set the tone with the very first assignment that we had, which was that huge Steve Jobs book. And I went, oh boy. And um, it, it's remained consistent since then, kind of that, okay, there's something else that I have to do. And there's another project and there's another assignment. And I- it's always over and, here, over <laughs> your head, right? Yes. And to Emily's point, there are moments where I, I think, gosh, I wish we could dig in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I want to understand this better and even a more granular, granular level, because I think that this could be something I, I can apply better um, and understand it better. Um, so yeah, the, it, it, it's like, it almost feels like cliff notes sometimes like, okay, I, I have the general concept, but I really want to know more so I could do better. And um, it, I, I'll tell you, it, it definitely has been keeping me on my toes because it is, it is a lot mm-hmm. and it's a lot all at once. And um I'm just looking forward to seeing what comes next. I think this current course that we're in, I have said it a few times aloud. This is a lot. Mm-hmm. And with the readings and videos and lesson and white paper and outside sources and discussion. <laughs> and have your own outside sources too, right? Correct. Oh. And um, I was wondering, Anthony, how you felt about it too i feel very much the same way had i not started the g the steve jobs book funny story about that by the way haven't had i not started it immediately like the second week in july never ever would have gotten through uh, because i'm not a fast reader and i wanted it i wanted to absorb it i didn't want to be reading and writing reports about what i learned at the same time but as business picked up, I stopped being ahead, right? And now I'm actually in the same boat that you're in. And I'm finding that I'm not, I don't have enough time to really, really, really um, let it sink in. Mm -hmm. And because in order for the lessons to sink in, you sort of have to apply them, right? To things that happen in your life or know how to apply them. And so sometimes I feel that's missing. And I actually wrote today, we did get an email today asking us how we were doing and how the mentor program was going. And I wrote back and I, I did complain about the pace of this class and the fact that it's not really jiving with the university system and the fact that we have to hand in our final on the 17th of December, but the class wow. goes on till the end of January, I believe it is. And so... Yeah. What are we learning by rushing through this? I'm just not convinced we're learning much at all. And the takeaways are being evaporated, you know, or evaporating. And so I did, I did make that comment because, uh, you know, we're paying 
So yeah. we want to get value out of it and we want to feel like we're learning and it feels a little rushed right now. To I me agree. As well. yeah, yeah. My hair feels like it's blowing back every time I open up my laptop to go into <laughs> class. And just, oh my gosh, there's so much. And, and I, I, you know, I, I try really hard not to be a whiner and complain, but I find myself saying, gosh, you know, we, we work, we're professionals, and then we have families or, you know, personal lives that we're trying to manage on top of all of this. And it just seems so much. And then on top of that, we have the mentor thing that we need to do, which I really want to embrace. I, I'm super excited about it, but then mm -hmm. capstone, I'm like capstone and, <laughs> and great I project. <laughs> thought about that capstone yet. right and then they're like group project group final i'm like group final how are we supposed to coordinate all of this right. and and it creates i will say it has created kind of um a, a different level of anxiety for mm. me because i think and this is what i've gleaned from a lot of my classmates is that boy or boy oh boy are we perfectionists Mm -hmm. And, and we want it right. And mm -hmm. we want the A and, mm -hmm. you know, poor Nat, she's probably getting resubmissions left and right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not a probably. Score. Well, she, well, <laughs> well, just, just uh, in the defense of resubmissions, she does send really good examples after submission dates, which invites resubmissions. Mm -hmm. So more power to the resubmissions. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Oh, I've resubmitted. <laughs> I, I, we resubmitted our, our midterm because, we did too. yeah, you know what? I think it was more about for us. We felt like we had the lessons in there, but we hadn't put any citations in mm. that. And so, uh, yeah, we had to go back and, and put in the citations to get a few more mm. points. You know, we oh, we did points. the same thing. Good for you. Right? Yeah, good for you. Good for you. I, I'm, I'm always curious to know where people are because we're all number ones in some facet. We all want to be like on the top, right? So I, mean, I am curious to know like who has the best grade so far, but I'm not going to ask because that wouldn't be, wouldn't be gracious, you know? <laughs> I, well, I mean, I will be honest. So, I mean, I was honest about me failing finance three times in undergrad. Um, so clearly I was not the best student. I was in Greek life. I was a full-time student taking 18 to 21 credits a semester. And I worked three jobs oh, yeah. and wow. I had a blind and deaf dog. I don't know how I ever accomplished anything. Um, well, you didn't accomplish but... finance. Emily. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. That I did not. I want to point that out. <laughs> No, that I did not accomplish. Um, and I, I got by, I got mostly B's in college, but I set a goal going into grad school. And it was a, it was a pretty hefty goal um, that I was going to graduate with 90% of my classes I wanted to get A's. And I have done that. I just about cry every time I see an A hit canvas. <laughs> I immediately text my mom and I, I don't know why I set the bar so high for my, once again, 
here, here we are back to, I'm just super critical of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wanted to prove to myself that I can be a better student than I was before. Um, and it's definitely put a lot of pressure on myself. It is, there is no pressure from anybody from the outside. No, on on any of us. It's all us doing it to ourselves. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, I, I'm going to set this goal and I'm going to, I'm going to meet it. And I don't care what I have to do. I don't care if I, I mean, I will be honest again, the Steve Jobs book, I listened to it on an audio book in a week. I probably did nothing in my free time other than listen to that book because I procrastinated and put it off and thought I was going to be, you know, way better and could just read it and get done and um, cranked out that paper. And I never thought in a million years that I would be able to write a paper on that book after finishing it. I was like, this book was not my favorite. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to write this. Um, and it's funny what you, what you can accomplish when you like really, really put yourself under pressure. And that was the first time that I think I felt that much pressure since my finance class. Um, (laughs) and, and so since then I've learned my lesson not to leave things to the last minute, but um, yeah, it's grad school is a, I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf. Mm-hmm. Good. That's awesome, Emily. And Emily, to, to, I raised my eyebrows when you said that you failed your finance class two times only because it's like, oh, there's someone else oh. because I had to, I, I think my college was really concerned that they would never get rid of me because I couldn't <laughs> keep up with the mathematics. And so they finally put me in a math class called math for everyday living. And I think they probably just made up that class just to get me out of college. (laughs) Okay. I think that every, every college needs to have a math for everyday living finance for everyday living, because the amount of people that I've met in my life that don't know how to find a discount when they're at the store, they look, everybody looks for that little plaque that has the discount already, already written out for you. I'm like, you can just do it real quick in the calculator. Mm-hmm. And people are like, I don't know how to find a discount. I'm like, well, I guess you don't know how to use a coupon either. Mm-hmm. You've never had to live that kind of luck. It could be disastrous though. I've been shopping on uh, Verbo lately, um, trying to find you know places to stay. And if you look, even in car rental, uh, by the way, car rental sites, if you look at the price per day, it is often less than the total of the total charges that's smaller and right below it. I was recently in Phoenix on business and needed a car for th- two days. And a $29 car would be $200 at the end of two days. So you need to have the those skills, right? So that you can Add up 29 times two and no, that's not even close to 200. Exactly. And it's like, you also have to learn to read the fine print because they try to charge you for insurance. And most major credit card companies offer rental car insurance and it's free of charge 
That's so you don't even have to pay the extra charge. I'm like, now if these are the things they taught in college, a lot more people would be better off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think the credit card companies let them. <laughs> I'm kidding, no. of course. Oh, no. So when I was reading the Steve Jobs book, uh, back in two, 1994 to 2001, I dated somebody, and his name was Job, J-O-B, like in the Bible. So uh, every time I saw Jobs in text, I would say in my head, Jobs, Steve Jobs, no, Steve Jobs. Like I'd have to correct myself all the way through the book. That's a big book. It was a big book and it never stopped. It took me, I'd actually have to stop and say, no, it's Jobs, Jobs, which of course, you know, stop the reading flow, you know. Now, how did it go with the writing flow? Did you get Jobs or did you keep typing Jobs? No, I got jobs. Finally, when I was there, I did get jobs. It was just seeing it, you know? I must have really been, I was shell-shocked from that relationship. Uh, Clearly, it ended in 2001. (laughs) Clearly. I absolutely loved that book. And I think I was one of the few. I just dug it. No, I did too. I loved it. Oh, good. Yeah, I loved it. And I felt, I saw a lot of my own story in him, honestly. Uh, and was, I just marveled at the story. I was, I was really intrigued by him, you know? Yeah. He wasn't such a great guy and no, I wouldn't want to be in the same room with him, but he was incredibly intriguing and made things happen. And so I, you know, Disney's coming out with this Beatles biopic and that's because of Steve Jobs, not Jobs, Steve Jobs. (laughs) See what I mean? That's because of Steve Jobs, because he was really on them to get that library and then finally made that happen. And now I can't watch a Pixel movie without thinking about him either, you know? who I didn't know any of that, so I was completely intrigued. By that. I assume you were Now, Anthony, I really hope that part of your story that you resonated with was not the crazy diet. No, no, or the smelly body. Or the shoeless, okay, good. The shoeless good. habit, because those three things gross me out. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't even want to be in the same room. Like, if somebody told me that my body smelled offensive, I would be in the shower pronto and probably wouldn't show my face again in that room ever because I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> so I, I don't I get mean, how- It definitely takes a special person to like be okay with that. Well, you know, that made me think he was a bit narcissistic because obviously he didn't care about other people and their sensibilities. <laughs> but but then I, I question whether he really was really narcissistic or not because he wasn't really doing it for himself. It didn't feel that way in the way they told the story. You know, there was a higher cause that he was driven to, at least in this story, who knows? Do you think he was maybe not self-aware to a certain extent? It's a good question. Maybe that had something. You know, the, the interesting thing too um, about the book is my dad to this day still has the Macintosh computer. Really? Can plug it in and it turns on. Really? We were just talking about this with friends yesterday. Really? He does. That's worth a lot of money, that Macintosh computer. Yes. And it he's is- like, I still have some of the disk tests. And I was like, well, hang on to it. And he's like, 
yeah, I can plug it in and it turns on. And I say, well, why did you buy it? That's what I was most interested in because they talked about how and why he built this computer kind of like for the everyday person that isn't tech savvy. And my dad said, well, I wanted something to write papers. I was doing these reports and well, it just seemed like it was really straightforward. I can plug it in and I could do what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I have been a Mac guy ever since. And it just, it really blew my mind. And um, I needed a computer for this class. And so full circle is I said, you know, I'm reading this book. They're talking about this experience as we read in the experience economy of Mm -hmm. going in and having the process of purchasing something and how the stores are built and all of this and the genius bar. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to see the full the full thing for the the full process for the the customer. And I went and bought a Mac just to experience it while I was reading this book. And let me tell you, they nailed it. Mm -hmm. As soon as I opened it, it was like, congratulations, you have your MacBook and can we get in touch with you so we can go over some things? And they got me all situated and it was like a mind blowing, wow, it doesn't have to be that hard. I've been a Mac user from the very beginning since I think my first computer was in 91. And uh, I've always agreed that it's the most intuitive platform. It's so easy to use. Uh, But there have been times where I have cursed Steve, Steve Jobs' name, (laughs) I will admit. And there, (laughs) like with the phone, I think it was the Mm -hmm. four, they mentioned it in the book that, you know, if you touch the perimeter of it, because it was metal, you could, you lost your call, you know, that kind of thing. However, reading now about it, it makes, it gives me new respect for what he was doing. And um, now I say, when something goes wrong, ever since Steve Jobs died, like nothing's right anymore. Because there is a certain level of, right, of, I don't know that that still exists, you know, his persistence and persnickety-ness. I call it aggressively enthusiastic. That's exactly what it is, his aggressive enthusiasm. Yes. I was surprised I wasn't a one, Anthony. I really was taken aback by that. What are you? I'm actually, um, I pulled it up. Um, I am a six, four. Ah. So safe and secure, but um, I, I I'm was surprised at that too. That yeah. So I, I mean, honestly, I was a little like <sighs> <laughs> typical one thing to do. I think was like, <laughs> excuse me. So what did these numbers correlate to? Well, I I don't. Um, our yeah. personalities are triggers. What gets uh-huh. us going? What. Uh-huh. Jeers. In a good way and in a bad way. Here's okay. and right. yeah. So what are the good and bad things about a one? Well, ones are, um, I don't even remember most of it. The bad things are judgmental. <laughs> Unless I remember, because I am. Um, and uh, impatient. And, uh, you know, have a, a need everything to be perfect and uh, are reliable and get things done and you know typical like a personality mm-hmm. and i'm a one six interestingly oh wow 
See, I yeah. should have been a one sex. Yeah. You, but that's I a just typical feel, one thing to say. I know, see? but you know what? I felt sort of kindred spirits with you since the very beginning. And I'm Aww. definitely a one for sure. So we, without even trying, you know, so we're just going to change that. Now take the little squiggly so. thing off the, the, the little, the little perpendicular line off. I of think the I might. Done with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm all of those things that you were kind of mentioning. Um, I might just say, can I have a do-over? Because I don't think this is correct. But again, that's a very one thing. To I say. was only a four that day. <laughs> you caught me on my four day. <laughs> it's so true. It's How about so you, Em? What are you? I am a seven two, mm. um, which surprised me a little bit, but I think I'm a seven because I really enjoy living life. Um, so I definitely very much enjoy like time on vacation where I don't have to think about work or, um, but I think the two in me is where I love to feel appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, that is definitely one of my biggest things is like, I notice that if, especially at work, I notice if like, I haven't been told, and I'm not one that like needs words of affirmation. Like you are doing so good all the time. Like, I don't need that. I don't want that. But like every once in a while, like, especially if I feel really proud of something, I almost like seek the affirmation or the appreciation that I've done a good job. Mm. Um, and if I don't get it, I almost get really butthurt. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you didn't think I did a good job. And so it's like, I, I definitely like, I look for it. Um, but I, I really like that I'm a seven and relatively laid back. Um, it definitely comes out at good times because I don't let people know when I'm stressed out. Um, like I am the same old, same old. Um, I am go with the flow, but in my head, I can just feel it festering. Mm -hmm. My perfectionist is coming out. All I can mm -hmm. think about is, um, you know, what can I do to make it better? But on the outside, I am just cool as a cucumber. Everything's good. So that's, that's my question. Uh, and I'm getting the wrap up signal, but that is my question about emotional intelligence. Is it you're able to restrain yourself from saying the things that are spinning around in your head? <laughs> or is it those things don't continue to spin around in your head? Because that would be ideal for me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I wish that I could stop some of the thoughts that spin around in my head um, about things that go on or what people say or, you know, I, I truly do. I wish that I could just, you know, they would stop. But I think it, I think emotional intelligence has, has taught me how to just say it nicer. Mm -hmm. or let things go a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, whereas before I would have kind of harbored a feeling or just not moved on for the greater good of the team. 
So I think that that's what, what I've learned through emotional intelligence in these classes. Emotional intelligence for me taught me how to be productively empathetic. Explain. Do explain. That's a good one. Um, Learning how to read someone else and understand where they're coming from, connect on a deeper level in order to keep getting things done and help them grow as a person, help myself grow as a person. It's so you're being strategic with it. Very yes. good. Yay. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Yeah. Any famous, uh, famous last words? Any last words that you'd like to impart today? Anything that comes to mind that we didn't discuss that you felt like you wanted to share when you knew you were going to join us? I am so excited to be doing this. Um, I listened to this as soon as I heard you had a podcast because, like you, I felt a kindred spirit to you when I, I, cause I watched the videos of the class since I wasn't there in person. And oh. I was like, who is this radio voice? Oh, and then I, <laughs> I heard, Oh, podcast. <laughs> yes. And so I listened to your podcast on a long drive and I was like, this is really interesting because you gave some perspectives of different parts of the industry that I'm just not privy to. Um, but I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. It's, it's great. I am so happy that you joined us and that you uh, willingly came aboard to be a part of it. And maybe you'll come back. Maybe we could talk to you again about like what, what happens in the next semester or where we go from here. Cause it's all a crazy journey. Yes. I would love that. And Alex, I'm so sorry that I didn't get a chance to talk to you more, but this is fantastic. No, I've really enjoyed and learned a lot from you guys. And um, let me know if you're successful in getting your um, numbers changed. I am going to work on it. I think you could take it again. I mean, you really could just, or I could take it for you. Are any of us really the same every day? I mean, I have at least 10 personalities. (laughs) <laughs> so just whichever one slips out that day. <laughs> I mean, we, pre-coffee, I am probably a one. <laughs> but no, Anthony, thank you for having me on the on the show. I have told you since the first time I started listening um, that I appreciate that you have a podcast for the events industry. Um, I feel like it is something that the events industry needs more of because at the end of the day most of us live near a city most of us commute Mm -hmm. um i like to listen on my commute uh on the metro into my office so it's always something that i look forward to when you have a new new episode come out um and if anybody out there is listening and considering going to san diego state um, for your master's, it is a great decision. Um, you will make more connections than you ever thought. Um, if you're lucky enough, like me, your mentor may become your best friend. Um, and you will grow more personally and professionally than you ever thought you would. Mm-hmm. So definitely take the leap. It's a big investment, but it's an investment that um, will last your lifetime. Thank you for that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tessa Getch. 
and Emily Parsons for joining us. Thank you. And please don't be strangers, like join the conversation. If you hear something or, you know, you want to comment on something, please let us know so that we can include your voice. That's what this is about. Or if we're not like talking about something that you want to know about, dang it, please let us know. And thank you for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you next. I, I don't know when that'll be, probably during finals week. Or, or on the next call, maybe next week, maybe Thursday this week. I don't even know. I think that call is Wednesday this week at 3 a.m. or something. I'm not really sure, but I'll see you there. I can't keep it straight. I can't keep it straight. Being on East Coast time, I and you I two, never know when things are. And, you know, we, ne we didn't even get into the fact that you are on East Coast time and you are taking this course on East Coast time. And these calls happen in the evening. So you're already like in your PJs, I'm sure, and ready to go to bed. I don't know how you're doing it. If you were my age, you wouldn't be able to, trust me. It would not be happening. Wait, Tessa, you're on East Coast time? Yes. I am. I'm I'm an East Coaster. I and um, I, yeah, it, it's it's a lot. <laughs> She's I in Daytona. Where, where are, oh, you're in Daytona. Okay. Correct. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm in so juggling between the twins in the evening PC. and classes, and I'm doing a lot of shut up. Shut you have, up. You have twins? <laughs> I have 13 year old twins. Boys, girls, mix. Oh, One of each. One of each. Oh, fraternal twins. Yes. Yes. Oh my. Tessa, yeah. Let me just you tell you. Handful. You, you don't look old enough on. to have. No, hey, you don't look old enough to have 13 year old twins. Oh, well, I'm keeping you forever, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, okay. So I just turned 24. Um, yes, go ahead. Not just turned 24. I turned 24, like back in August, but Tessa, I thought you were like maybe 30. I'll take it. <laughs> like, like maybe 30. Well, thanks. I, I'm, I'm, the camera must be very, very forgiving. So well, I appreciate it. No, I had you pegged for 30 something and I still stick with it. You're I'll stick the, with it too. I said young ladies when, you know, you came mm -hmm. on. So, and I don't lie. Awesome. Yep. 13 year old twins. So juggling that and the school and the work, it, it's a dance, but I have wonderful support and I'm telling you, and I know we got to wrap this up, <laughs> but I have to say, I think our classmates are so supportive and so wonderful mm -hmm. that there is something oh, yeah. really comforting about going in and looking at the chat and going, oh, they feel it too. Or, mm -hmm. oh, thank God someone said something about the call or sent the link or because I feel like I'm, I'm kind of treading water sometimes and to have everyone looking out for each other and being there for each other it it's phenomenal. I, I just feel so fortunate with, with this group. I, I do too. And, and I really do. Thank you for sharing that because on that note and the last note I promised Angelo, <laughs> Emily got engaged this weekend. Congratulations. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, I got engaged um, the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, that was sweet. beautiful. Was I, it, a, it was a surprise. I assume he brought you up on stage and in front of a crowd. Yeah, it was a big surprise. Um, I thought it was going to happen at Disney world next month um, for Christmas, but apparently he's been walking around with a ring in the, his back pocket for three months. Um, just waiting Aww. for the moment to happen. 
And we went to the largest light display in the state of Texas. So, I mean. The biggest state in the union. Yeah. Yeah. So he is, he's from Texas. And I guess what better place to do it than the largest light display in Texas. So right in front of the light up Texas state flag on a stage. um, Because it was, it was a photo op that like they took your photo. So here I am, first of all, ADHD is on overload because there's lights everywhere, there's people, there's music. I'm just a kid in a candy shop because I love Christmas. And we get up there, we take our photos. I keep trying to walk off stage because I think our photos are done. He whips me around and I thought he was having a medical emergency. Um, I like, I wish I was joking. I, I thought he was like having a heart attack and he's, he's only 27, but I was like, things happen. Weird things happen. And because he starts shaking and his lips starts quivering and his eyes are tearing up and like, he goes to take a deep breath and I'm like, are you going to continue breathing? I don't. And then of course, the only thing I'm thinking of is I don't know CPR. Um, if something does happen, I hope somebody in this crowd knows what to do. And then he got down on one knee and I kind of laughed a little bit um, because when he asked me to be his girlfriend, he asked me to enter a committed relationship. Um, so he asked if I would enter into a committed marriage. <laughs> I was like, wow, you just really stuck with the theme. <laughs> yes. Well, he wants to be sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess as opposed to like an uncommitted marriage. Correct. Right. Just like, want to be clear. Just want to be sure. I was like, wow, you just really wanted reassurance. That's there, right. That's yeah. right. You're on the I, um, I was so, so surprised that I just, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, of course. Uh, congratulations. That's yeah. terrific. Thank you. And it should I'm last a, an eternity. Good. Oh, are you moving I to Texas? I see myself with. Well, Anthony, to be determined. I want to move to Texas. I want to. I want to move. I need to get out of DC. Um, it's too expensive up here. Um, no, he's in the Coast Guard, so um, he's stationed here in DC right now. Um, until like June or July 2023. Um, and then it's wherever the military moves us. It'll be on a coast, though, of some sort. So I'm okay might, with that. You might end up here. I know. I might end up in San Diego. It's actually it's um, pretty it's high be. on his list because the, he's trying to join like some sort of, I don't, I don't know, some special team that saves people off of the coast. I don't, they only have a couple of the teams on either coast. Oh. And one of them is in San Diego. Oh. Yeah, we have a so SEAL team it, here too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um he right now he's actually he's on a night shift. Um he does all of the at the moment, all of the intake calls of distress. So on the on the water. Yeah. Interesting. A friend of mine who's also a meeting and event planner 
also does, um, what are they, it's distress calls as well when somebody loses a member of their family. She goes in and does the initial counseling and helps them to find services. And, and I thought, well, that's a perfect. I would not be able to do that. You don't think so? I think uh -uh. any of us in this industry could do that. It's they're they're sort of like no. grief counselors, but they're they're interventionists in a way. They come in and, but we have to, you know, it's just a different form of what we do in a sense. Um, yeah, it's it's oh, amazing. He can't even tell me some of the stuff that like some of the calls he gets. He can't even tell me because I get emotionally invested in in these calls that I know nothing about. He'll be like, oh well, because he did tell me one about a crabber. Cause we, the, we're like right mm -hmm. by the Chesapeake Bay and uh, like one of the crabbers, like the line got stuck on his foot and he got pulled under and drowned. Yeah, that's terrible. I was a wreck. I was a wreck for days. He was like, Emily, you, you weren't even there to hear the call. I was like, yes, but you told me. And so now, now I'm not going to get over it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, these are, these are the things I'm like, I don't know how you can answer these calls and hear these things or because usually it's I mean it's not just missing people sometimes it's like crazy things like um one of the ones that he had to deal with was like within five minutes he had to come up with a, a solution to a live electrical wire in the in water the bay with yeah in in the water with a um cargo ship that was only about 10 miles offshore um and the cargo ship Oil. is going too quick to stop or slow down um so i'm like granted i feel like meeting planning i am in high stress situations but that is just another level of high stress mm -hmm. that i couldn't i could never take on yeah that's the emergency level right yeah <laughs> like, i would not know what to do i would be i would just sit there and like throw my pens and paper up in the air and just say well i don't know coffee we'll break what happens <laughs> Yeah, you know Tell you develop you develop a you develop a, you know a, a an ability to sort of deal with that. I'm sure he's toughened up a bit. I'm sure the first call was a bit, you know, harder for him too. But he's an officer. Oh, yeah. Is he an officer? He's in the, he's in the Navy, I assume. So uh, no, he's a he's in the Coast Guard. He's an officer. Um, and then before this, he did. Um, law enforcement for the coast guard down in like mobile alabama so he did like boat boarding and do you like driving the boat be a bui boating uh -huh. while boating while under yeah interesting yeah. so he used to he used to do those i mean he's got some crazy stories from that stuff too bring him to the next call so we can hear some of these oh yeah. he would <laughs> He would love that. Oh my gosh. He's, he's also that type of person. No one's a stranger. Everywhere we go, he will talk to anyone. That's charming. <laughs> it's something. Uh huh. <laughs> charming, maybe. Annoying, yes. Maybe. A little bit. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. We will be in touch. We will be fast friends. Thank you. How are you doing, Alex? Good. That was very interesting. It was uh, 
good to hear their perspectives, especially about uh, hearing all the positives, but also hearing a little bit of the struggle too. Um, very interested how they're approaching that and how it's uh, changing them currently as they're navigating their jobs as well. So it was it was really interesting to to be in on that. Yeah, it is a it's a lot to take on, and I really applaud them for doing it. And uh, especially when you're young, like Emily, who just turned 24 and is starting out a career and is finding her way. Uh, it's it's got to be really taxing on her because then she goes to the office and she's dealing with all of the people that she has no control over and has to answer to. It's not easy, you know, when you're not already in control of your day to take this on. So I applaud them both. They're excellent students too, and they're great people. And we'll be meeting more of them as we continue our series every month, uh, our SDSU series and masterclass series. So thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the class, please give us five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening to us wherever you're listening to us, please let your friends know you're listening and get them to listen too, if you would. Also, if you'd like to leave us a comment, just go to bolada.com to the podcast tab, and there'll be a place for you to leave your comment. That's it for, that's it for today. How about we say goodbye? Goodbye, Alex. Goodbye, Anthony. Stay engaging.